talk I'd like to share with you today is entitled, Why Are We Struggling to Stay Engaged? And this talk is about our Sunday morning format and how we can address some of the issues around making it a more engaging and inclusive and important part of our week. And for all of us who are committed Christians, uh, there is really nothing more important than come to, coming together uh, as an ecclesia to remember the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we do have some challenges. Uh, these are not challenges unique to our community. These are challenges that a lot of faith-based communities are facing today. And I think uh, as responsible Christians, we need to have a good, long, hard look at how we worship on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm gonna give you a little bit of background about myself. I was uh, born in Texas when I was five years old. My parents relocated to the Detroit area where my dad is from. I spent my growing up years in the Detroit area. And then uh, 35 years ago, I moved to Ontario and have been a member of the Shelburne Ecclesia ever since. Uh, so I have had a lot of exposure to ecclesial life. I, uh, during my growing up years, I, I spent quite a bit of time in the Austin, Texas area. So uh, I, I've traveled extensively in our community. I've uh, visited ecclesias on a Sunday morning um, all over the world. So I think I have a reasonable grasp and appreciation of uh, how things are. Uh, in this regards in our community today. So uh, one of the problems that uh, I think, well, I've observed and many have observed as well in our community is, has our Sunday morning worship uh, become too structured, too rigid, too formal, and is no longer serving uh, the needs of our community? And I, I think we need to be careful when we address this subject because clearly uh, coming together and remembering the Lord's death and resurrection uh, isn't about entertainment. It isn't about keeping us all engaged as we might seek to engage a kindergarten class. We're not children, we're adults, and uh, we need to respond to this challenge in an adult-like manner. Nonetheless, uh, there are things I think that we need to speak to in this respect. So one thing that is very clear in the scriptures, and I think we need to all agree to this, is that we need to have a communal life. Uh, Christianity, discipleship uh, is not a solo venture. We, we, and that has certainly been experimented with over the centuries. Uh, in bygone eras, and, and even today, many feel that the best way to serve Jesus and God is to isolate yourself from everyone else. It gave rise to a monastic movement in the early church era and continues to attract certain individuals to that approach. Uh, the Bible does not seem to support that whatsoever. Uh, from the, the earliest chapters of Genesis through to the end of Revelation, the Bible is full of examples of believers coming together congregationally, assembling together. 
And Paul in Hebrews 10 is quite emphatic on this point where he speaks to the fact that we ought not to forsake uh, the assembling of ourselves together. So if we turn to Hebrews 10 verse 23, uh, Paul says to uh, the believers he's writing to, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, so I don't think it's necessarily a choice as far as our discipleship is concerned as to whether we come together. We need to be in each other's company. Uh, now, one thing I'd like to reflect on a little bit is that uh, in my growing up years in the Detroit area, uh, there were things that were really well done. Uh, we had a very vibrant midweek Bible class, and we studied the Bible. We picked a book, and we studied it chapter by chapter. Uh, the presentations were given by the brethren, but we, we had good and meaningful discussion afterwards. And I was very blessed to have a very vibrant young people's program. There was a junior CYC program, which began, I believe, around um, 11, 12. And then when we were 15, we graduated to the senior uh, youth group program, which uh, was really great in that it was quite autonomous. There were a, a couple of couples who oversaw what we did, but the young people, we ran it. And it was engaging. It was fun. Uh, it really was very helpful to me during my formative years to keep me engaged. Th those were things that, in my opinion, were well done in the Detroit area. But the Sunday morning service was very traditional, very staid, very formal, and there were a lot of rules attached to who could serve on the platform. There were rules in regards to dress, rules in regards to facial hair, rules in regards to conduct and behavior, as to whether you were permitted to serve in any capacity, whether it was prayer or reading. So uh, that's what, what I grew up with. And over time, I came to appreciate that I, that, that might not have been a, an, an appropriate reflection of first century precedent and practice. And as we do consider ourselves to be a revival of first century apostolic Christianity, I think it's very important that we do our utmost to follow those precedents. Now, as to uh, our current Sunday morning format, which is traditionally practiced through a, a significant percentage of our community today, I, I think there's pros and cons. Uh, the pros for many of us are that it's predictable. We know what to expect on the Sunday morning. It's the same format. It, it's the same way of doing things. There's certain expectations, which we're all familiar with. Uh, so it can make for a very stable and reassuring experience uh, that when we come, there's no surprises. We, we have a certain expectation and, and that it's been consistent over decades and generations. And for many of us, that can be a comforting thing. And, and it can also speak to the fact uh, that we are an excessively changeable community. We are not uh, bending to every you know, movement, whim, suggestion, current fad. We're not a, a, a kind of a fad chaser 
type of group, which, which is not a bad thing. Uh, some would argue that it appeals to the majority of uh, Christadelphians today. And really, in, in respect to many other mainstream churches, it, it is inclusive and involving. It, it certainly involves far more members uh, than what you might find in, in other Christian communities. Uh, in fact, uh, 150 years ago, what the Christadelphians did and how they worship was groundbreaking. It was cutting edge. It was different. We're a lay community. No one's paid. We volunteer. And, and who, whatever background, whatever degree of education, um, if we're willing uh, and reasonably competent and able, we're able to participate quite fully and that's a wonderful thing and something we need to, to maintain and, and hold on to. Uh, but there's also some cons, and just as it might be stable and reassuring for some, it can be repetitive for others, and uh, repetitive to the point of being boring, uh, non-inspirational, uh, the sameness becomes tedious and non-engaging. Uh, another problem that many of us have confronted is there doesn't appear to be any room for innovation or change, quite unyielding and inflexible, and you get the sense that even the most innocent suggestions are met with uh, upset, consternation, and excessive concern. Uh, clearly, the, the way our format is uh, established is not going to be appealing to everyone, and it is important that we are aware of others' sensitivities and how they react to, to how we do things. That, that's not something uh, we should be insensitive to. And uh, for many of us, there has been a, a sense of a lack of involvement from the entire ecclesia. Uh, and it, unfortunately, over time, it, there has been a trend, uh, at least in some parts of the Brotherhood, to, to limit the participation not only based on, um, say, things like dress and appearance and, and so forth, but uh, the way we study the Bible, the kinds of things we might include in our talks, uh, things can start getting censored in an inappropriate sort of way, uh, and that's not a good thing. And in terms of the involvement of all of our members, uh, for many of us, we've come to appreciate that uh, there needs to be greater flexibility and, and inclusiveness in our approach to uh, our Sunday morning service. Now, one thing I think it's very important to establish is what the memorials are and what they're not. Because when we generate an attitude based on what they're not, it can lead to other ways of doing things which become inappropriate. So what I mean by that is that the memorials are not a sacrament or a holy act deserving of special merit. That's not what uh, they are. Th this was above all an extremely simple act. Uh, there is nothing inherently righteous about participating in, in this act. And uh, while we would emphasize, I would emphasize the importance of assembling together, and, and that's certainly a, an integral part of our Christian walk. Uh, it, it cannot be elevated to a place where it ought not to be. And it, in conjunction with that attitude, it is not a special time of forgiveness, nor is it necessarily a special time for confession of our sins. 
or that we've created some kind of special connection to God and Jesus on a Sunday morning when we participate in a memorial meeting. Uh, the, 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 our uh, presence in, uh, you know, with the Father and with the Son is something that we uh, are privileged to enjoy every day uh, of the week. And uh, when we come together as an ecclesia to break bread, uh, we're not necessarily any closer than we were the day before or the night before. So what is the memorials? What, 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 is, uh, what are we doing? Well, it's a remembrance. That's what Jesus described it as. And he uses a word not that common in the New Testament at all. It's anamnesis, and it means to call to mind again. So the function of coming together as an ecclesia, breaking bread and remembering the Lord's death, death and resurrection is intended to, to be a repetitive activity with the, the goal of bringing into our mind again what it was the Lord did for us. It's also a collective activity. This is a communal activity. It's marked by a meal in the New Testament it was, as we understand from 1 Corinthians, uh, when Paul addresses this issue in, in 1 Corinthians uh, 11. Uh, it was a, a uh, something that seems to have occurred at least once a week. Uh, clearly, when Jesus established it in the gospel accounts, it was as often as you, you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Uh, so, you know, when we talk about it being a communal collective activity, uh, very often when I wasn't able to make it to meeting, and, and this is still the case, uh, you know, I'd break bread on my own, or if uh, it's just Mary and I at home, we, we do it on our own. And in some respects, that's not exactly the point of breaking bread. This is something we are intended to do with one another. And uh, without getting into all the uh, various aspects uh, of this activity, and you know, Paul addresses at length what was going on in Corinth, which are, are all very helpful words for ourselves, um, th this is not a solo activity. This is a group activity. So what can we do to make uh, the breaking of bread and the memorials more engaging, more inclusive? Uh, what can we do to reach out to our disenchanted uh, uh, brethren and sisters who are, are feeling disengaged? Well, one thing that I think is very important to do is to be collaborative. We turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We, uh, you know, Paul... Uh, you know, talks at length uh, about a lot of these concerns. And in verse uh, 21, he uses this uh, analogy of the body. Uh, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And he goes on to talk about uh, how it, the, you know, the human body has comely parts and uncomely parts, yet all are equally essential. And, and that was really a priority from the outset in our community, that, that we were one body, that we, there was no one you know, greater than or lesser than. And you know, Paul's 
description here would reinforce that point. As a community, we need to work together and exercise mutual respect and love. And that is the what makes collaboration work uh, when those things are in place. And that's vital to the success of our communal life. Um, now, I, I think I mentioned earlier uh, the importance of following New Testament precedent. When we look at what it was that was going on in the New Testament, uh, when we look at the different activities that were part and parcel of breaking bread together, these were engaging activities. There was discussion, there were meals, there were family-friendly activities. Very often they met in homes. Uh, what we have in many respects moved away from a lot of these things. We moved, uh, in my opinion, and I'm suggesting too far away. Uh, we have adopted in many respects, a form that, you know, many other churchgoers from other churches would be very comfortable with the formality and, and the, uh, the, the ritual that we attach to breaking bread communally. That was not how it began. And I think one of our, our problems is, is that when we read Corinthians and Paul admonishes the Corinthians to do things decently and in order, we in a way, see this as a green light to be completely ordered and completely de decent to the exclusion of completely appropriate activities. And those activities were discussion, were engagement, were sometimes perceived as raucous uh, uh, types of activities. And, and, and that's something I'm suggesting we need to engage more, be more comfortable with, and, uh, and allow to be part of our Sunday morning um, experience. Uh, the other thing that is uh, quite interesting is when we you know, read through the New Testament, uh, there is a lot of use made of personal testimonial. And, and that's particularly true of Paul. He talks at length about what happened to him, the road uh, to Damascus, the experiences he had as a missionary, the experiences he had with uh, different ecclesias and different brethren and sisters, those were an important part of, of Paul's uh, way of reaching out to the brethren and sisters he had uh, taught the truth to. And, you know, that's something, unfortunately, I think we've uh, stayed too far away from. We, we sometimes consider it you know, potentially self-aggrandizing or, or uh, self-absorbed. But in actual fact, uh, those are things that are important for us to share and hear about how it is we came to a knowledge of, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was epiphanal and pivotal in our lives such that we saw a need to be baptized? Uh, those are important things to include in the time we get together to share and to remember the Lord's death and resurrection. And uh, another thing that is, uh, you know, something that we've talked about and uh, many ecclesias have become very adept at including is more music, more praise, more song. Uh, again, you know, we turn to, uh, you know, different scriptures, for example, Ephesians 5, in verse uh, 17, and uh, Paul is, uh, you know, these are important parts of, um, of sharing and worshiping together, you know, beginning in verse, uh, 
17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I completely appreciate the challenge many of us have when trying to adopt ways that are different to what we grew up with. It took me a long time to develop a, a, a level of comfort uh, that would allow me to move past what I was used to. And one of the arguments that would be brought up over and over again is that, oh, well, this is you know, what these ribald evangelicals do or Pentecostals. This is the kind of church service they would conduct where everything is you know, all about the music and the swain and the, and, you know, it almost seems uh, debauched in that they're just almost having too good a time. And, you know, I understand that we have to be governed by scripture and, and by what we're told in the New Testament, and indeed the entire Bible. Uh, you know, one of the concerns we do have is that the spirit that we're filled with is, in fact, the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, not our own spirit masquerading, or masquerading as some special spirit utterance. You know, that's not appropriate, but it is fully and completely appropriate for all of us to be filled with the spirit in, in, a, in, in its joyous manifestation. In fact, it's an imperative that we're filled with the spirit of Christ, and that spirit can find expression in song, in psalms, in music. It always has been. And if we look, uh, you know, and this would be a study all in and of itself, but if we looked at congregate settings in the Old Testament, the variety of things that uh, faithful men and women did to worship and to engage one another communally uh, absolutely covered the entire spectrum of, of human behavior. Uh, they were inclusive. They they were uh, uh, involved entire families, the the entire tribe, the entire nation. They were wonderful things. And as a community, uh, uh, brethren and sisters, friends, uh, we need to rise to this challenge and continue to be uh, groundbreaking and cutting edge in the way we worship uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father on a Sunday morning. Thank you very much. Thank you.